Everyone, remain calm. Yeah. Ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. And later there's running and screaming. World. You're listening to the Jurassic Park Podcast. You want to consult here or in my bungalow? <laughs> Hold on to your butt. Well, we're back. Hello. And welcome to the fourth episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Jost, and we're here to discuss all things Jurassic Park. We have a few things from the news this week, as well as an interview with Tim Lewinson about his Kickstarter for Savage Empire. We'll also give you our in-depth review of Jurassic World. We've got a ton of news this week, so hold on while we dig deep and bring you news from around the world. 18 minutes and your company catches up on 10 years of research. Access rate program. Access security. These pictures were taken in hospital in Costa Rica 48 hours ago. I don't want to jump to any conclusions, but look. Boy, my head being right all the time. But today, I guarantee it. Are you obsessed with the Jurassic Park River Adventure at Universal Studios? Well, Jake and Dave certainly are. These two set out to get the world record for the River Adventure in a single day. And they did just that. Jake and Dave ended up going around the circuit 60 times, beating their own personal records of 58 and 53. That is certainly an amazing feat for any theme park enthusiast. 12 hours on the same ride over and over and over until they got that record. Take a listen to the video they posted on YouTube chronicling their day. Congratulations, guys. You'll have to let us know next time you set out to beat that record. You can follow their antics with the hashtag Jurassic Record. If there was any doubt Chris Pratt would return for a sequel after the initial huge first weekend, you could put that to rest. In an article found on JoeBlow.com, they mentioned an article with EW.com where Pratt was asked about a sequel. And he says, I am. They have me for, I think, 38 movies or something. Now, obviously, that was a little bit of a ruse from Pratt, but I'm sure we can expect him for at least one or two more sequels. There were certainly a few loose ends that he could tie up in a sequel. But we'd also need to see the likes of B.D. Wong, Bryce Dallas Howard, Jake Johnson, among many others that could possibly return. What do you think about Pratt returning? Are you happy? Or do you think they should move on and get a new cast of characters? (laughs) 
Well, I think we can all finally relax after Jurassic World debuts and blows away the competition at the box office. Domestically, Jurassic World obtained $208 million. Worldwide, it accumulated $524 million. Those figures are enough to put it on top of the box office in both categories. We can all rest assured that this movie is a financial success, and it certainly warrants a sequel. Let's hope it gets even a little bit more love and receives a better toy line and maybe some more presence in the parks. Are you surprised by the amount it grossed over the first weekend? Leave a comment in our email or on Twitter and we can discuss. Have you ever wanted to own a 75 million year old Velociraptor claw? Well, you're in luck. Head to astrogallery.com and you'll find one. The only catch is, it's $12,500. That is a hefty price, but if you're willing to pay, you can own your very own claw. Check out the link in the show notes. Head over to IGN.com and you'll find a complete timeline of Jurassic Park. It starts off with the events at Isla Nublar and ends with the creation of Jurassic World. In between, you'll find steps from Henry Wu, and Simon Mizrani. It's as complete as you could possibly want and pretty insightful. Find the link in the show notes. With the massive success of Jurassic World, you bet there's already a pre-order for the DVD. On Amazon.com, you'll find the limited edition gift set, which features a Blu-ray 3D, Blu-ray disc, and a digital HD copy. The kicker for this set is the Indominus Rex versus the Tyrannosaurus Rex. It is an awesome piece that is worthy of any collector. Head to Amazon to pick up your pre-order. It's only $107.98. Pre-order it now. Let's open up the Visitor Center doors where we'll discuss Savage Empire with guest Tim Lewinson. Let's welcome in designer, writer, producer, and creator of the new Kickstarter campaign for Savage Empire, Tim Lewinson. How are you, Tim? Doing pretty well, Brad. Thanks. Thanks for asking. Awesome. Now, I just want to start off with a very serious question. Uh, so you're trapped in a room with a raptor. Mm. Now, do you give up or do you uh, go out fighting? And if so, what's your weapon of choice? Well, what room am I trapped in? I mean, regardless, I'm going to go out swinging. I don't want to die on my knees. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, if I'm trapped in a kitchen, then, uh, you know, I'll just grab whatever's handy. Grab a knife, grab a fork. I mean, raptors in real life, you know, they weren't as big as they, they show them in the movies. So yeah. I think I may have, you know, somewhat of a fighting chance if it's just <laughs> one, more than one. Well, uh, you know, I hope my uh, my insurance is paid up. <laughs> Good answer. Good. All right, so... I, I see you've been uh, in, in and around the gaming industry for, what, 20 years now? Uh, uh, yeah, it's my 20th awesome. year. Yeah, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Um, sure. So I worked at uh, most of the big places. Um, Electronic Arts is where I first started in the industry, you know, working on NHL, NBA, uh, Need for Speed, um, PlayStation 1, Sega Saturn. This is going back a fair amount, actually. Mm -hmm. um, I also worked at Relic. 
Um, and when I was there, I was actually the gameplay uh, balance producer for Company of Heroes and the Dawn of War series, um, which was a lot of fun. Yeah, we um, we actually were building these uh, these uh, two properties for for THQ um, just before they bought us out. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, it was it was great. Got to build the team from the ground up. Um, hired these uh, top RTS players, all like much much younger than me, <laughs> and uh, it was it was great. It's funny it's funny because three of them were actually from back east, Ontario and Quebec, and one guy was local. He was from British Columbia, but uh, he'd actually spent the previous year uh, playing professionally StarCraft in South Korea. Wow! So <laughs> I called him up. I'm like, "Hey, you can come back home. You can still play RTS and get paid for it." And he's like, "I'm on the next plane." So, That's a good deal. <laughs> yeah, totally. So it worked out really, really well. Um, I've also worked at uh, Disney, uh, senior designer on Turok, uh, dinosaur uh, first-person shooter. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did the reboot for that in 2008, and uh, I've also worked for a bunch of different places. You know, Capcom. Um, done some work with them, uh, with 2K and Microsoft, uh, Ubisoft as well. And uh, worked on a lot of really different high-profile properties. So it's been uh, it's been a really good run, and I'm you know just getting started and uh, taking some <laughs> of that experience and applying it to uh, Savage Empire. Yeah, that's awesome. So Savage Empire is about dinosaurs a bit, and uh, so what what exactly kindled your love for dinosaurs? Well, I've I've always had a, a thing for dinosaurs going back to you know being a child, and um, you know when. You know the reading Turok, the actual you know old comic book, you know in the '90s, um, it really spoke to me. You know, in terms of you know you have this this uh, protagonist who's you know outside of the norm and you know caught in these crazy situations, who is you know fighting against this this dinosaur backdrop, and at the same time dealing with all these human characterization issues as well. And and that was something that, that really spoke to me. And so the opportunity to, you know, when the opportunity came up to actually work on the game of, oh, yeah. <laughs> of, this, of this comic that I've loved, you know, this dinosaur-based comic that I've loved, then, you know, I, I jumped at it, you know. Yeah, I'm uh, sure. You know, yeah, so I was, I was, I was all over. Yeah, so uh, what was your favorite dinosaur back then? Um, to be fair, I've always had, like, a really soft spot for the copy. Okay. To be to be okay. honest, like just like these these little guys who look so cute, and then they can do immense amounts of damage when oh, they're like little piranhas, you know, basically yeah. on legs, and the power of numbers and seeing them come together, I just think that they're really cool. Everybody loves the raptors and and whatnot, and I think you know Jurassic Park and the movies have had a lot to do with that. But I like the little guys who band together to create something you know much stronger than themselves. Yeah, they're definitely little scavengers. Absolutely, they'll just they'll just come in, and if you're not careful, they'll take you down. <laughs> Do you think the uh, Lost World handled them well? Um, it's there. Are some there are some some elements of the Lost World that I would probably go back and change. Um, the the copies they weren't terrible. I guess I was looking for. Um, and, and, you know, to be fair, you know, the movies versus, you know, real life. Um, but I would be looking for sort of a more realistic depiction of how dinosaurs actually were. And I'm, you know, I'll say it now. I'm definitely in the pro feather crowd. Just yeah. want to get that out of the way right now so everybody knows. Um, <laughs> you know, but, you know, there's still, you know, decent movies. Um, the the only, only, that only part that I really ever had an issue with was, uh, you know, watching uh, Dr. Malcolm's daughter you know do her gymnastics uh, spin and kick a raptor right through the window <laughs> yeah that seems to be uh, everybody's least favorite part yeah that's when you kind of have to stand up and say you know what i don't think that would happen 
No. no. <laughs> That's just me. <laughs> well, uh, going back to the original Jurassic Park, uh, what was your first experience with that? Were you of the uh, right age just to fall in love with those films, or? Yes, yes, yeah. I was. I was. I, I was old enough to be able to get in um, without, uh, you know, getting carded, um, which was nice. Yeah. Um, and and honestly, like that that feel of adventure. Like they, they didn't show you everything right away, and I love that. I love the tease, and 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 just sort of draw. Okay, you see little bits here and there, but for me, the big reveal, you know, seeing all of the and not just the predators but the herbivores as well you know and that one big reveal out in the field as they're all running together and it was amazing it was what i'd always seen in my head when i'd imagined being around you know dinosaurs but it was right there on screen and i think that something that really went a long way in making it feel more realistic was they weren't relying on tons of cg you know they're actually building the building out the animatronics like it, it made such a difference in terms of you know having a, a tactile real experience on screen um i, I really uh, i really really appreciated that i yeah, think that was stan winston who did that right what's that was it stan winston who yeah yeah he yeah. was the guy who did all the uh, practical yeah. effects back then yeah no it was really well done yeah so did you have a favorite scene or characters or anything like that or um, so obviously, um, I'm a writer, so I love Snark. So Dr. Malcolm was right up my alley. Of course. Um, but I like the kids as well, and it's funny because usually, you know, kids in movies like this where they're getting thrown in danger and whatnot, you're actually rooting for whatever happens to be chasing them. Yeah. <laughs> Just to keep them off screen, but not in this case. You know, found them really endearing. And the one scene where they're trapped in the uh, trapped in the in the truck. And the uh, T Rex is, you know, basically trying to get at them and. You know, it's the the look of terror on their faces. You know, it was it wasn't cheesy. It felt real, and I think that was like the key thread that permeates the whole film. Is that this feels like what it? I think it would feel like. And you know, whether it's actually realistic or not, the you know, go for the movies is is something that's going to take you to a place where you're you're coming away with a new experience. And and man, it it gave me that and more. Awesome, yeah. Now let's uh, let's bring it back to your your thing that you're doing here with Savage Empire. You've got a Kickstarter going, and uh, how's that going so far? Pretty good, actually. Um, just got four backers today, which is great. Nice. Um, we're at the 62% mark, and we have two weeks to go. So today marks uh, the 14-day countdown. So we're really looking to uh, push forward um, and uh, and get this thing funded. Um, when I first put the story together, um, you know, it started out originally as a game and then expanded to, to something that I felt was even stronger as a sort of a graphic novel one-shot. You know, not that I'd ever turned down the chance to bring it, you know, to the gaming space, but after, you know, writing and producing the original eight-page prologue earlier this year with my team, you know, and that's included as part of the Kickstarter reward tiers. But after putting that together, like, it, I, we just knew that we were on the right track. It just felt right. Um, I actually showed it to some more established writers, guys like Gary Ritta. Uh-huh. Uh, so Ritta, he's the guy who he wrote uh, Book of Eli and uh, After Earth and uh, the Star Wars. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, the Rogue new, One, yeah, right? Rogue One, yeah, yeah. So I showed it to him, and he's like, you have to get this out there. I will write you a pull quote. And I was like, great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that kind of lets you know that, uh, that, you're on, that you're on the right track. So yeah, I'm that's really an awesome endorsement. Totally, yeah. So, 
Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, it, it, now this story seems to encapsulate a bunch of my favorite genres. Like, it, it looks like it's apocalyptic, it has uh, time travel elements, and obviously contains dinosaurs. Um, what, what got you to that point with all those elements combined? Well, I'm a big sci-fi fan, always have been, and not, you know, I like having my stuff grounded, but I also like the humor aspect as well. You know, I read a lot of Douglas As- Douglas Adams, you know, Steve Moretzky, mm-hmm. but for me, the science fiction portion had to be, you know, it had to make sense. And if it's going to be, in, time travel is going to be involved, like this is a fantastic idea, but it has to make sense within the confines of the story. So... You know, the way that I laid it out, you know, you're thinking of like Jurassic World meets Black Hawk Down, where you have, you know, government doing experiments with time travel, okay. you know, moving okay. from from theoretical work to more tangible, you know, weaponized forms. Of course, government being what they are, they choose the wrong place to do that, you know, in Southern <laughs> California and accidentally trigger the big one along the, the San Andreas Fault. So when you think about it. Like, here's this massive event that's now taken place, millions killed, more injured and missing, and now you have sort of this large chunk of the California coastline that's just hanging on to the mainland by a threat. So here's the situation now. You have all these political things to deal with. You have humanitarian issues to deal with, um, you know, and behind that, that sort of thin red line of danger, you now have these time travel portals which are now opening up willy-nilly and allowing dinosaurs from the different timelines to come roaring through. And they're terrorizing all these people behind these behind the, this, this zone. So you have governments who are doing their utmost to suppress any kind of information coming out of there. You know, they want to send a unit to, you know, retrieve any data and evidence they can to sort of, you know, save their own bacon. And that unit disappears. Oh, and so now they say, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> what, what happened, right? And, and it's yeah. not like you just, you know, you just send in anybody. So people, are, the officials are not panicking. And they, so they sent in like the cutting edge of operators led by um, this woman named uh, Rekha Gray. And you'll see her picture actually up on Kickstarter near the top. Mm-hmm. You know, she leads a small team, has a reputation of getting things done by any means necessary you know it's not black ops it's not white ops it's gray ops it's as gray as it gets and and uh it you know this mission is different she has a mercenary a a guy known as reeves who's been assigned to her team and he's one of those guys who finds those who do not want to be found and uh it's it's great you know she doesn't want to be used as a handler they've got competing agendas going on and uh it threatens to break the mission apart as they go behind the red line so you now have these, you know, human issues that are now coming together within this small group, within, you know, all of this stuff is now happening in real time. I'm not telling a story three weeks after the event. This is all happening like just hours afterwards. So it's crazy. And it's 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 pretty nuts just exactly how the, the story ends up going. Yeah. I just I love the look of it already so far from the few things you have there on the Kickstarter page. It just looks awesome. Thank you. That's yeah. uh, I can't even really take uh, take any credit for that other than <laughs> providing you know some creative direction. I'm, I'm working yeah. with this amazing artist, a guy named uh, Jim Jimenez, and he uh, he he takes my scripts and then he comes up with you know some pencils and says, "Is this what you want?" And I'm like, "I didn't even know that I wanted that, but I <laughs> want that." And he just goes from there and makes some some amazing pencils and inks, and the stuff just just jumps off the page. Oh, that's awesome. Now. I was trying to go through some influences in my head of things that maybe you were inspired by, and I came uh, upon something. I remember Dinosaur's Attack. Do you ever remember, remember that? 
Uh, vaguely, yeah. It, it was the little trading cards, and they just had dinosaurs attacking humans and different buildings and places and stuff. And uh, that really reminded me of uh, the story you got going on here. Taking the, the 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 element of sort of dinosaurs and putting them in, you know, more of a present day scenario, I think is something that most people can relate to as, as being pretty cool. Yeah. 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 I just, I remember those trading cards as being pretty brutal and scary back when I was a kid. I think they came out uh, in the late 80s and uh, it, it just had images of, like pterodactyls spearing humans and same thing with uh, <laughs> triceratops horns and stuff like that. And I, I, I noticed a few what seemed to be uh, influences in, in the artwork there. Um, and one of the images I really loved was, I, I'm assuming it's a raptor. It looked mm-hmm. like it was on fire. Yes. That was pretty yes. awesome. <laughs> yeah, so the, the backdrop for that particular panel, if you want some context, sure. is um, you actually have um, a, uh, a triceratops in that area. And, you know, they're down in Los Angeles, Second Amendment rights, people got their guns, and this guy is shooting at this, uh, uh, shooting at the trike, and uh, a bullet just happens to glance off and hit a gas can, which is right by <laughs> where a pack of raptors are, sets oh. them on fire, they're freaking out, jumping and they end up jumping on this guy and, and crushing him through the hood and literally that whole sequence when you see it there in the in the, the black and white of uh, jim's uh, pencils and inks it's crazy you know it's yeah. it looks really really good yeah it looked impressive i can't wait to see it with some color on it that's going to be awesome if you take a look at some of the other panels where um they're fighting inside the store um if you're not careful you, you might gloss over at first where they're actually ripping like the guy's arm off yeah I think you know? <laughs> it looked like it was just chomping on the uh the one guy's arm <laughs> yeah it's just it's just gonna pull this off here and and the thing i love about how the the artist turned out especially with uh, michael superdiga's uh colors is that it's it's bright it is colorful but it is also a story that is very raw and very stark like i'm not pulling any punches here you know, with storyline or with the art. And, you know, you can have something that looks good, that looks engaging, and is also, you know, can be very, very brutal at times. So yeah. that's a, it's a, uh, it's an edge that we're riding. And I, I think that, uh, you know, we're, we're hitting it between um, the colors and the inks and, uh, and the script. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I noticed you gave, or you revealed some sort of artwork, and it was called Pacific Coast mm-hmm. Highway. I'm sorry. Uh, the, you revealed the Pacific Coast Highway artwork. Uh yes, yes. Yeah. Actually, just uh, just before just before uh, uh, we 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 started this uh, this uh, this interview, um, oh, really? we okay. just we yeah we literally just hit the uh, the achievement uh, for that stretch goal um, today. So yeah. uh, locked. The... Did I lose you? Um. Nope. Can Can you hear me? Oh, I can hear you now. You can hear me now? Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, sorry, like I was saying, we just unlocked the um, Pacific Coast Highway stretch goal, um, got five achievements, actually hit six achievements, so we overshot it, which was nice. And so that mobile and desktop wallpaper will be released for all backers at the end of the campaign. So yeah, I'm pretty happy. Awesome. It's pretty yeah. stark it's, image it's, it's, with the... Uh... The volcano in the background, it's obviously apocalyptic, and you see, I, I believe there were some people walking, and off in the distance, it looks like some Brachiosaurus just strolling on the, on the coast. You nailed it. You got them all. Yeah, yeah. High resolution, uh, multiple resolutions, and, uh, you know, size for uh, Android and iOS as well, so everybody's covered. 
That's awesome. And I, I know you mentioned it before, but you were, you're all about the uh, feathers and stuff on dinosaurs. I was wondering where you guys uh, got your depictions from, what, how you just came across those designs. So um, I've been working really closely with a good friend of mine, a guy named uh, Daryl Mandrick, and we worked together on Turok at uh, Disney. And he's one of the top concept and cover artists in the world. Um, does a lot of work for Dark Horse, um, Star Wars, Conan, and he's also done a lot of games work as well. Um, Def Jam, um, SSX, Shadows of Mordor. Um, he's in very, very high demand, and I'm very, very lucky that <laughs> we actually get along. <laughs> So uh, and and he's a huge dinosaur fan as well. So he's had tons of sketches from stuff that we worked on back in the day, and new sketches as well. Just two of us, you know, sitting down in a coffee shop and just you know shooting the breeze and saying, well, what about this and and what about this and how would this environment affect you know how um, dinosaurs you know adapt? But the core thing that we always came back to was there needs to be a greater representation of what we now know as what dinosaurs really were, which is, you know, more feathers. And we're not saying you have to go like full on, you know, you know, covered, completely covered. Yeah. But, you know, like I, like I said before, when I, when I was talking about, you know, Jurassic Park, there's something about, or you know, about the lost world, about having a more realistic depiction. You know, yeah. we know what, what's been put out there. Now let's try something that's little more in line with what we know actually happened so um that's you know we work on tons of concept art and and you'll see actually some of that in the digital art book uh, reward tier that we're offering for the savage empire a kickstarter for certain levels where you know tons of concepts characters characters um different artists taking on this ip and providing their interpretation and feathered dinosaurs are part and parcel can't get away from it oh that's awesome yeah, I really like the design so far, the uh, the few ones I've seen so far. So, Thanks. Um, now, i got to get back to it. Have you seen Jurassic World yet? Um, I'm taking the kids, actually, this Saturday. I oh. wasn't going to go last week because I knew it was going to be a madhouse. Oh, yeah. And it, uh, it's been killing me because I've been trying to avoid spoilers. Oh. <laughs> Left, right, center. I've, yeah. I'm in a lot, involved with a lot of uh, Jurassic, uh, Jurassic Park-themed uh, uh, Twitter accounts and Facebook, so I've been kind of avoiding things as much as possible. Yeah. Oh man, it's great! I've seen it eight times, and I'm just like, I haven't even seen it once. But uh, yeah, I mean, we're going. We're going on Saturday. It'll have calmed down a little bit, I hope, and uh, I'll be able to take uh, my three boys and go check it out. Awesome. Yeah, I know it's probably tough to avoid those spoilers because once the movie's released, they just end up opening the floodgates and mm-hmm. showing you all kinds of images and things that you uh, didn't see before in any of the trailers. Yeah. So. Yeah, and it's and it's been so successful too. Like, obviously, yeah. they want to get even more people, you know, excited about it. I mean, I was already excited about it, and obviously, you know, it was, um, you know, we're going to go, but you still want to go in with, you know, a little bit of a blank slate, you know, as much as possible. So, mm-hmm. we'll we'll see. I've got, I've got another twenty four hours to go, and then we'll see how we, <laughs> we'll get in there. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I I don't want to spoil anything for you, so I uh, I, I won't like dig deep. De- dig too deep into it but i definitely see okay. some um sort of parallels between savage empire and jurassic world in the way that they can go in the future so uh, oh, i guess cool. keep your eye out when you're uh, when you're watching it oh i'll be paying attention and if we yeah. can get some parallels on the uh, on the backing side the funding side as well i wouldn't mind oh yeah now <laughs> since you can't uh you know rank jurassic world where do you rank the other films the other three um I would probably say the first one, then Lost World, and Jurassic Park 2. Okay. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of people. Uh, I don't know. I've been finding a lot of hate for the the second and third film recently. So, yeah, it's tough. <laughs> really, I it's not that I it's not that I hate them so, per se. I just really feel like okay, nothing is going to match that first time. Mm-hmm. Like like I described before, of just you know that 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 wonder and that reveal, and you know the 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 elements of it, it almost felt like in Jurassic Park two they were trying to shoehorn too much of the you know extra characterizations in there okay he's bringing his daughter and you know they don't get along and whatnot and and some of these tropes that it's like okay i get it but i don't think this movie actually needs it and um for me that's why we dropped jurassic park 2 to to the bottom but that's okay because we've got jurassic world and everything is is better now yeah Definitely. And uh, I mean, a lot of people keep, uh, keep saying they're retconning in the uh, second and third movie, but I think if they're just on the side, you know, so they're not really erasing them. They're just uh, pushing them off to the side and continuing the storyline from the first movie. So uh, I think no, you'll be happy cool. with it, definitely. You know, there's something to be said about creating, you know, a larger universe when you're world building that can actually support different stories that aren't necessarily connected but are connected at a higher level in terms of taking place like in, in the same universe. You know, you see yeah. that with Star Wars. You see that with The Walking Dead. Um, you know, we're doing a lot of world building with Savage Empire where, you know, just because this 64-page one-shot for the Kickstarter is telling an encapsulated story, that doesn't mean that there aren't other um, stories that can't be told from inside the zone based mm-hmm. on this, you know, amazing dinosaur backdrop. So, um, you know, having, you know, Jurassic World be its own thing, but part of the larger Jurassic universe, I think that's cool. And I think that's really strong for the franchise going forward. Yeah. And and you hit it right on the nose and especially Walking Dead, they've got their own timeline, but now they're, it's probably coming out soon, the uh, Fear the Walking Dead. So it's a completely separate Uh storyline in the same world. So, yeah. So you can no, see something cool. like that uh, for Savage Empire in the in the future. Hey, all things being equal, let's uh, you know get this thing funded first, yeah. and then I'd love to be able to take it to that next level True. and yeah. and yeah, get that Walking Dead thing going. But I'm really looking forward. I'm really looking forward to Fear the Walking Dead. My my younger brother, he's actually on it. Um, he's oh, wow. uh, he's a stunt, yeah, he's a stunt man. Um, does a lot of work for you know Arrow and Deadpool and and a lot of. Uh, of uh productions here in vancouver and he's been doing fear of the walking dead and he he won't tell me anything which uh, is very maddening but i'm looking forward to it nonetheless yeah it's gonna be awesome i can't wait um so to to entice people to um you know support your cause here uh what type of rewards do you got uh going for them sure well you know i really encourage people to to come around and and go to kickstarter.com and and uh you know look up savage empire and 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 look at the the pictures of the rewards there but i'd be happy to talk about the stuff that we have um so yeah i saw you have uh, digital copies um character cards t-shirts um Mm -hmm. a few of my favorites were you could uh, name a character or and get eaten by a character yeah it's Uh, it's pretty pretty funny that that uh, those you know there's there's eight uh, rewards of that particular tier and three of them got snapped up like almost immediately oh wow uh, yeah <laughs> like at 500 bucks a piece it was great you know oh, you can great. you can name the char- you can name a character in the book you know we'll we'll work together to create you know something suitable so they're not mm-hmm. naming them you know slack jaw mcgee or whatever it is but <laughs> 
you know, we'll, we'll, and I will actually make sure that character is fleshed out properly. You know, it's not just going to appear on one page and then, you know, one panel and then get eaten the next. Oh. And, uh, you know, flesh them out and then eaten by the dinosaur of your choice. Like, seriously, what could be better? That, and a lot awesome. of people have jumped on that. But we get other rewards as well. You know, the, you know, the eight page prologue um, that we finished earlier this year, you know, digital uh, has no DRM on it. And the physical version, obviously, that we have soft cover and hard cover. Um, the 64-page full book. So that's what the Kickstarter pledge would actually be backing. Um, you know, my team will take the finished script and we'll provide a, you know, a one-shot storyline that brings everything that I've been talking about so far into your hands. Um, we have an art book, digital and physical, which contains these amazing sketches, concept art, you know, character and environmental pieces from um, all these different artists, you know, providing their take on Savage Empire. And um, you remember the... Like, uh, the old school cards on the back of the G.I. Joe and Transformer boxes, G1 yeah. back in the day. Yeah, so we've got something similar, you know, digital and physical. We made a few for the characters in Savage Empire because, you know, I like that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. that was pretty cool. And uh, and Daryl Mandrick, um, the concept artist that I spoke about before, he's actually creating a limited edition variant uh, cover um, for certain tiers. And this is a Kickstarter exclusive. So once the campaign ends... This cover version will—it's going to get sunsetted. It won't be available even when the um, the, the the book goes for sale um, afterwards. Um, nice. You can only get it during this Kickstarter. Um, tons of T-shirts. Yeah, yeah. We have six different T-shirts designs. Um, our artists will do character commissions, um, producer credits, and um, also um, we introduce this one new uh, backer reward. And this is for all backers, not just the, the higher tiers. Um, I don't know if you've heard of a game called Darkest Dungeon, but uh, uh, no, I don't think I have. Sorry. It's it's an RPG. It was successfully funded um, by another Vancouver studio here. They went on Kickstarter and uh, it's funded. It's out on Steam. It's awesome, and it has this really distinctive art style. And the creative director just happens to be a friend of mine from uh, Disney, a guy named Chris Barassa. So he's actually actually going to take the characters and some dinosaurs from savage empire and render them in brand new kickstarter exclusive artwork in the darkest dungeon style so i really encourage people after they check out um you know um the kickstarter for savage empire to go over to darkestdungeon.com and uh take a look at um at uh, chris's style it's really distinctive it looks really really cool and uh, i'm really happy that he came aboard Awesome. Well, it sounds like you got some awesome rewards. You got a really good, uh, 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 sorry, uh, graphic novel here. So everybody should be completely interested in it. And uh, that about wraps it up on our side. Unless you have anything else to add. Well, you know, and you know, I appreciate the opportunity to talk to everybody about it. You know, I've I've really wanted to tell the story of Savage Empire for years. Um, you know, not just for myself, but it's also a tribute to, you know, a lot of great friends that I've made throughout the years and, and a homage to a lot of the really great artists, you know, that have inspired me since I was a kid, you know, first falling in love with dinosaurs. So really this volume is just as much for them as it is for me and it is for, for you, the backers. So thanks for the opportunity. And I really hope, you know, everybody can come to Kickstarter and check out Savage Empire and, and help us, uh, reach our goals. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us, Tim. And uh, we definitely wish you all the luck in reaching your goal. And uh, we definitely can't wait to open up Savage Empire and just breeze through it. Um, You can find the Kickstarter campaign by going to kickstarter.com and searching for Savage Empire. Uh, Tim, where can they find you on the Internet? Um, You can find me on Twitter at Vancouver Tim. 
Um, and you can also find me on Facebook at Likes to Fight Studios. So Twitter at Vancouver Tim and on Facebook Likes to Fight Studios. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for joining us and uh, make sure everybody goes out there and supports the final two weeks of this campaign. Awesome. Thank you, Brad. Appreciate the time. Uh, no problem. I own an island off the coast of Costa Rica. We've made living attractions so astounding that they'll capture the imagination of the entire planet. Welcome to Jurassic World. We have a new attraction. She's bigger than the T-Rex. Probably not a good idea. Oh, God. We have an asset out of containment. Everyone, remain calm. Evacuate the island. All right, I'm here again with Dan Karan, and this time we're here to discuss our film review uh, of Jurassic World. Now, uh, we'll probably just breeze through some some quick reviews real quick and then get into the deep stuff in the spoiler section. So uh, what did you think of the movie? Overall, I think it was awesome. Um, I, I set some pretty high expectations for the movie going into it. Uh, and surprisingly, um, this movie actually exceeded them all. Um, there were definitely you know a few things here and there that, that I think could have been done a little bit better. Um, from a plot aspect and a character aspect in some cases, but um, it was overall fantastic. Um, the park was exactly what I expected to see. Um, it's it, not to get too far into it, but it seemed like it was a little bit modern. Um, you know, probably a little he- ahead of our technology today, but um, it does. I don't feel like that takes away from from the overall feel of the movie at all. Um, but the characters were great. I think that the cast um, was a bit underwhelming. Um, I think overall they did a great job, but the cohesiveness between the characters just didn't seem like it was necessarily all there um, compared to some of you know the earlier movies, especially the first and the second. Um, the, those characters were just so um, you know connected. It seemed. Um, and the other, you know, the, the dinosaurs in this uh, in this film, um, actually looks really awesome. I, I saw a couple trailers from, um, you know, early on, and, and I was kind of thinking they looked a little fake. Um, there are certain aspects in the trailers too. You, you definitely see uh, Chris Pratt's guyliner uh, in a few of them there, but it looks like um, you know they they retouched a lot, a lot of these things, and it made it look awesome. So I, I was definitely not disappointed um, with the CGI or anything. Everything looked, uh, you know, pr- pretty great uh, to me. So that's pretty much it. I mean, I don't want to get too far into the details there, but I think overall, um, two two thumbs up. <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> two. Um, I'll give it two thumbs up too. 
Um, I've, that's all I've got. If I had more, I'd give it. But uh, I absolutely love the movie. Um, so I, I don't want to tread too much on what you said. But yeah, I thought I thought a lot of the same things. Um, I thought the park looked amazing. I thought the dinosaurs looked amazing. Um, I wish maybe they used a few more practical dinosaurs. Um, I believe there's only one fully, oh, well, not fully, but one practical dinosaur. Um, but they, they looked beautiful otherwise. Um, I thought the characters were great. I know you had some issues with them, but overall, you know, stuff like that doesn't really bother me. So I, overall, I thought they were awesome. Um, they definitely exceeded my expectations, I guess, because I thought a few of them would be dull, but overall, I thought they were great. Um, but yeah, I thought the soundtrack really blended well with the movie. Uh, the mix of soundtrack was awesome. Yeah, it was so good. Um, and I think uh, the movie really touched upon things that I wanted it to. You know, it went it went where I wanted it to go. It did what I wanted it to do, and uh, I was happy with it. And yeah, so I don't know. There's not really much we can discuss uh, without getting into too many spoilers. So you want to just get into it? Let's go. All right. We are now entering the section where spoilers will be discussed. I suggest you stop what you're doing and leave now. When you gotta go, you gotta go. Okay, so I don't know about you, but I, I really loved the intro to the movie. I thought the cracking of the eggs, it was reminiscent of things we've seen before. But it, uh, it definitely took it in a different direction, and uh, it was thrilling enough. You know, it wasn't it wasn't as fast-paced and uh, original as Jurassic Park 1, uh, but it was definitely memorable. Yeah, what I, what I actually loved about it was the foreshadowing to uh, the scene where, where they're talking about how the Indominus Rex actually eats its sibling, right? And with the two eggs sitting there, that's the other sibling and that you know that was the stronger dinosaur so you know it's it's it was, i think it was an awesome beginning uh especially when you kind of look back at it, it it's yeah um, yeah it really may not have a lot of value at the moment but when you look back it, it definitely uh it's awesome so i think i think your initial reaction is really thinking about the the raptor scene um you know when they're hatching in grant's hands yeah um push you know uh, I think that uh, you know it, that's your initial reaction looking at it but later on it actually means a lot more so it's kind of cool yeah it's definitely awesome um, one thing I, I well you know later on in, in the uh, the advertising uh, the trailer started to give away a lot and uh, that was like I think in the final trailer they released the the Final trailer was like inter intercut with scenes throughout the movie, and then that intro scene. So you you, t- you did see that uh, opening of the egg, which was maybe a little bit disappointing through a marketing standpoint. Um, I think I was. I, I mean, I loved all the trailers they put out, but once I saw the movie, I was kind of disappointed that so much was given away. A lot um, was given away, and I think a lot of the plot line was given away too. Yeah. Um, where, you know, it, you could almost predict just looking at the trailer, um, you know, exactly what's going to happen. I mean, it's yeah. Jurassic World, too. Things are going to go wrong. So, 
I mean, yeah, there's expectations as to what will happen, but I think the trailers gave away too much as to I agree with you there. What definitely happens, and I knew there would be a few things here and there that uh, we'd be surprised at, and um, but they were few and far between, really. I think uh, one of the aspects, uh, since I love the character of um, Simon Mizrani, he was awesome. He was hilarious. He had awesome one-liners here and there. He's uh, he's not the greatest helicopter pilot, as we've learned. But one of the things <laughs> that I hated about the trailers after watching the movie was, in the trailer, you see the helicopter go down in flames and explode. Yeah sending the Indominus Rex, you know, throughout the park. Um, And as he got into that helicopter in the final moments, I was like... That's the first thing you're thinking. Here it comes. He's dead. That's happening. Yep. So that was was a foreshadowing that I was like, well, why'd they have to throw that in there? Um, Another one was, I mean, the ACU, the uh, asset containment unit, I... I mean, you have to kind of expect something bad's going to happen when they send a bunch of guys with guns out to obtain a, a dinosaur. You know it's not going to work out the way you'd intend. So, I, I but I still kind of wish they didn't show the dropping of the blood on the guy's hand, and then you see in the trailer him uh, him getting thrown up in the air and, and just ripped apart. So I, I feel like things like that, the trailers maybe took a little bit too far. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think they did definitely give away quite a bit of um, really the the movie. You know, like it was almost less of a trailer, and it was like a like a short film. It seems like you yeah. know, what I mean, they, they just gave away quite a bit that that you kind of wish you could kind of save for for the actual feature. The you know you knew the the movie would go there. We heard a lot of uh, Jurassic Four talk in the years prior about turning dinosaurs into weapons. And a lot of people hoped, oh, please, don't do that, don't do that. And the movie did it. It definitely did I was one of those people. But I, was one of those people. I think, in my perspective, it did it in a way where it was believable and not too over the top. You know, I could see them throwing gear, like a headgear piece onto a, a raptor or... Even some other animal, for that matter. Um, if you think about it now, I mean, they throw, you know, marines into a battlefield with a, a camera on the side of their helmet, and you can see every aspect of what they're doing. So, why is that any different for, say, uh, as ridiculous as it sounds, throwing a raptor into a, a battlefield? Like, the, the gear that That's was on my... its head. Like, that concept, throwing a, a raptor into a battlefield, is absurd, but the way they did it in the movie I thought was really cool now that's that's where I almost disagree because that's that's part of the movie where I was not thrilled I mean you know I, I agree with you it didn't really go too far to a point where it was like you know really affecting me and then my feeling of well like the rest of the movie I guess um and everything else that was going on but but Honestly, I don't see how throwing raptors into uh, a battlefield is nearly as, as uh, effective as some of the freaking technology we got going on right now. <laughs> like, let's stick to the drone strikes, I guess. 
and not throw the Raptors out there. That sounds way more risky. Uh, yeah, because uh, the character Hoskins, he just compares the way we fight wars now and As says, if it were like man-to-man contact. Like, yeah, he says, kind of he says this is all old technology. Why are we all using this still we can, when we can throw a Raptor in there and he can be faster, more agile, and more brutal when it comes to taking out the enemy. Um, and I think they also intended to use just more and more Indominus Rexes out there. And I, I mean, if you want to... Peace, love, and happiness, guys. Peace, love, and happiness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but in the in the uh, eyes of InGen, uh, I guess there's not a lot of peace, love, and happiness. So they'd rather send in a team of Indominus Rexes to basically just demolish whatever their target is instead of a drone I guess I mean it yeah you're right it doesn't sound so logical but that didn't happen in the movie so at least for now until hope maybe a sequel I don't know but um we don't have to worry about that for now I think the way though that they utilized them in this movie by you know, well they did release the Indominus I thought that was pretty awesome yeah, you know, the the way they did it, it didn't really affect me nearly as much as I thought it would. Like, I thought I was going to look at it and be like, oh, God, come on, really? Uh, but yeah, I think it was you, actually you like kind of um, You kind of elbowed me and said, here's where I get off. <laughs> yeah. But I, I really think it pulled through. And uh, I don't know, the the way they filmed that sequence, if you were off, you know, off board at that moment, I think you'd get back on. Because the the camera work where it was so low to the ground, the raptors were so low, and the switching back and forth between the the POV of the raptor and the 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 shot from behind them, and then the shot from in front of them, and watching them cut in and out of trees, up and over uh, fallen trees, and just watching them ride next to the the motorcycle with Chris Pratt, it was, it was pretty awesome. It was it- awesome. I, I I was so pumped at that moment. Out and the music. God, it was it was awesome. I, I can't get over it. I mean, it was definitely intense. My problem is I'm just wondering what happens next time I watch it. I'm hoping it doesn't uh, yeah. take away from it. You know, uh, you know, watching it 50 billion times like like I do the other movies. But um, I don't I don't you know. know that it's a good question. I think it, I think I'll be fine. I, I since I, I really didn't have a problem with it. Uh, I thought it would go much farther than that. And if they do sequels. Mm-hmm. It may go too far, but for now, I'm perfectly fine with the way they took it for now. So, uh, let's see. Um, going back, let's probably should probably rewind. We, we get so far ahead of ourselves, I guess. There's a few Easter eggs. I don't want to go too far because maybe we can do a whole other podcast on the Easter eggs. But uh, there was a few in here that I liked a lot. Um, one specifically was uh, in the visitor center. I don't know if you remember. There was a scene... The whole scene actually kind of was just exploring the visitor center and different things like that. But the way they filmed this one sequence where there's like a little girl, I believe, she's just dusting off some dinosaur bones. And the way the camera starts up up above the shot and twists its way out, it was a complete copy of, what is it, the second sequence in Jurassic Park where Grant and... uh, Dr. Sattler are, are They're in the Badlands. Dig there, yeah. It, it's it, yeah. it's an exact copy of that sequence, even though it's only 
you know, two, two or three seconds long. It just, it made me smile so hard. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely a movie made to cater for, uh, you know, the people who really grew up and loved the, uh, the grew up with and loved the, the, the first Jurassic Park because there were so many um, nostalgic moments uh, that, that really had me smiling ear to ear. It was awesome. Yeah. When the uh, the theme, you know, the old theme comes in and uh, I believe it, I believe it was like um, halfway through them coming to the island and you hear the theme start, start over and uh, I think it really came into fruition when uh, Gray, the, the youngest child, he just, he bursts through the doors of his hotel room and, and I, what does he say? He says, uh, something about he doesn't want to wait anymore and he just bursts through the doors and you see the full park and I kind of felt that same way I was like listening to the old theme and I'm like oh my god I just want to see this this park fully (laughs) in action and and uh he basically spoke my words opened the door and you got the full shot of everything and man I I, that left me like kind of speechless (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I love you it was the really same nice. way, but it was awesome. So, what did you think about the park? I mean, it was it was pretty it was a pretty modern park. There were a lot yeah. of things that I felt were, you know, kind of beyond our uh, I, ability. I, I guess. Today. I don't know. I mean, there, let's let's take a look at some of them. So, there's a monorail. Monorail has been in existence. For a long time, now, so that's fine. Okay, um, no big deal. That's easy. Um, Find aside, me a well, gyroscope. This is, all, this is all aside from dinosaurs being made, so we'll leave that <laughs> off to the side for now. Um, but oh, you said the gyrosphere. Yeah. Find um, me a gyrosphere. The did gyrosphere. I, did I say scope? Gyrosphere. Gyrosphere. I did I say scope? I don't. No. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's possible. Gyrosphere. That I think I'm not exactly sure if that would work physically or not but i know they built a pretty practical version of it um i don't believe it was containing glass so that that was a probably a big problem <laughs> but uh i don't know i i didn't have a hard enough time believing it would be real yeah no no it seems pretty sweet though i feel like it, you know if you got if you have some sort of uh working gyrosphere in the middle that is controlled by a lever i could see it working I mean, it's not. It doesn't sound out of the ordinary, and compared to some of the other things, I'm willing to to believe it. It's okay. I just um, can't wait to drive them because you know someone's gonna make that now. Yeah, so. yeah. As soon as um, uh, Star Wars revealed BB-8, the little mini um, rolling droid, um, I, I think a lot of people started to try to recreate their own and, and wanted to see oh, a really? fully functioning droid. And, and the crazy thing about that droid is it's real. You see really? that thing streaking across in the movie. It really did that. And I was I was just left speechless when I saw that thing roll out on stage at their Star Wars celebration. <laughs> Not under any wires or, or uh, it just it just rolled out. So I, I imagine we could get something like that in the near future. Because yeah, that I thing, can't. I think, is just controlled by a, a iPhone or iPad or something. Because now you can buy your own little tiny balls that you can control with your phone. 
So if they can create that technology, all they need to do is just expand upon it. And now you've got your own sit-in gyrosphere and you're roaming yeah. around dinosaurs. I can't wait. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. It's, but there it's were definitely awesome. a lot of like holograms and, yeah, and, holograms, and whatnot too, which was kind of cool. It was awesome. And I, I guess you could think that maybe is a little far, but uh, I've seen Tupac and uh, Elvis on stage. So <laughs> they seem real enough, right? I mean... Yeah, Michael Jackson yeah, was there, right? He, he was on stage once, recently. So, maybe it's not too much different than that. But, uh, yeah. it, it definitely, yeah, it definitely seems super futuristic uh, with its aspects. But I think if you, like, kind of sit back, you're like, well, actually, I think we could do a lot of these things. Maybe not yeah, it implement, doesn't, it doesn't implement take away the from same anything, way, it's, but it's, it could be possible. Yeah, it, does, yeah it, it seems like it's all fairly plausible still, even in today's day, but... But I wonder, I wonder how much uh, looking back on uh, the touch screens in the uh, in the, the old Ford, uh, you know, trucks from the first movie was that the uh, oh, interactive yeah. CD-ROM that seemed even, kind of futuristic. Even, maybe I don't know Unix. I don't know. Yeah, only, she was the only one who knew it. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> So, I don't know. I mean, maybe those things were futuristic back then. I mean, it, I guess if I had seen a an electric car riding on a rail, I would have thought that was pretty awesome, you know? <laughs> Unix is like an operating system, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Like a real one. Yeah, a real one, yeah. it's. I mean, yeah. I don't know if it ever looked like that, but... Uh, yeah, true. I definitely downloaded, but even, even downloaded the third a, movie? a version of it for my computer. <laughs> <laughs> Even in the third movie, when uh, you know they're they're, oh, yeah. they're taking that three D model of the of the Velociraptor vocal canal or whatever, yeah. uh, that I I'm, I have no clue if three D printing was a real idea back then, but it I, sure is now. I would assume it must have been pretty like a real idea. It was. I mean, they had not not that kind of three D printing, like home three D printing. But there's giant yeah. machines that can carve you things. So I don't think it was that out of the realm of possibility. But now we all like you could have one sitting on your desk right now. And that's essentially what they had in that movie was like a small prototype of yeah. 3D modeling imaging uh, software that that printed out the uh, vocal harmonizer of a or the resonant chamber of a velociraptor. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so- I guess we can we can definitely say that Jurassic Park has been ahead of its time each time. So Oh, absolutely. That's that's pretty good to see the trend continuing. What did you think about the use of the T-Rex? I was sad. <sighs> oh. I was so sad. Um I mean, it was awesome to see her again. Uh you know, like she she, she was always the hero. You know, when you when yeah. you look back on it, um, but man, she gets her ass kicked, and and I thought she was going down. Yeah, I really did. Yeah, you and me and, both. And I almost shed a tear. I, it's I I don't know I how a dinosaur felt, movie. <laughs> yeah, I felt my heart drop when when oh yeah when she was over on her side and Indominus Rex just he went down or he or she went down to take that final bite i thought it actually oh, yeah. happened and i you're right i was near tears that was i was like how can they kill off we've been waiting 
22 years to see this thing and they're just gonna yeah. kill her yeah I, I could I I was wondering the whole time like if, if they do this like everyone's gonna this everyone's gonna hate this movie yeah. you know like I know the Indominus Rex is like you know the killing machine but come on you know like you can't, you can't destroy that that, that yeah. idea that, that you planted you know 20 years ago yeah i don't i don't know but um i i believe there was some some backlash back in uh jurassic park 3 when the spinosaurus took out a t-rex yeah like how can you basically the same thing you just said how can you kill off um what we are so afraid of you know now we we have no reason to be afraid of it um but the thing is that was a different island and maybe it could have been one of the two Rexes from, you know, that pushed the trailer over the edge. Maybe. I'm not sure. I don't think there's any uh, proof of that, but, you know, it could have been. But I, then again, I don't really feel the same feeling for those Rexes as I do for the Nublar Rex. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. I never really thought of it that way, though. With uh, the Spinosaurus that took them out. Yeah, you know, it, yeah, it kind of just pretty much obliterated the t-rex and people are upset about that but uh this one if 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 indominus had taken her out uh, i would have i would have had to stand up and like leave the theater because that would have been too much like there's no way to come back from that because if she did kill her there's no way there's no way to kill the indominus and be okay with it like and be happy yeah, no, there, there was no way. Like that—that's what I kept thinking when when it was happening. I was like, "There's no way to come back from this. There's no way this is how this is going to happen." Yeah, and, and if, they, if it did, feel like, that way the rest of the movie, and probably yeah. every time you watch it after that. Yeah, which, yeah, ugh, that was a tough part. But uh, the the other the other time in this film where where I actually. Um, you know, it was tugging at my heartstrings. Was uh, with the uh, was it the Apatosaurus on the? the uh, yes, oh, yeah. God. You know, it escaped my that that scene. Um, oh, that that one had me going a little bit. I know, and that was that was, was the one practical effect dinosaur uh, that they used. So that that whole neck and head that you see bobbing and swerving in the grass, like. That was uh, that was their version of the uh, Triceratops scene from the first movie. I definitely felt super sad at that Apatosaurus. It was so it was so sentimental. The music was sad, and the look in her eye, which I was I was glad they fixed up because it looked super fake in the trailers. Um, yeah. The eye itself, but it looked great. I thought in the movie, so I was happy with that. Yeah, I think they went a long way to, to fix a lot of different effects in this movie. Um, one being being the eye, and then because um, it was like super blue, right? It, yeah, it, just it was looked really like blue, super glossy looking. Yeah, and then um, Chris Pratt's eyes. <laughs> they, they just fixed a lot of eyes in this in this film. Yeah, I think uh, they did a good job touching pretty much everything up because from the first trailer we saw, everybody was freaking out, saying, "How do you go backwards? How do you make this movie look worse than the first one?" Yeah. And people just needed to relax and let them do their work because that was an unfinished product. And 
now it's finished and it I think it looks amazing. Yeah, I thought it was great. I had no problems with it. No. I thought the Raptors looked amazing. I thought the Indominus looked amazing. Um, everything was believable enough. And I know, like, people say, stop using CGI. Stop. You know, use more practical. But I think it looked fantastic. So. Yeah, I thought it was fine. Yeah. What about the characters? Is there any uh, characters or, 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 you know, choices made with the characters or anything that you liked or hated? I think Chris tried that awesome. Um, I know there's been a lot of criticism on, on how he was kind of like a know-it-all um, right away, you know, not even really having to assess the situation, but I think he was awesome. I think his character was um, really supposed to, kind of built that way. Um, when it comes to Bryce Dallas Howard, I was kind of less impressed by her character. I don't know if it's more because um, of the character or her acting, um, but I know you know that character was, was really kind of supposed to be a little bit more cold. Um, I don't really want to say heartless, but kind of that too, um, at, at least in the beginning. Yeah. But she kind of seemed like she was more of like the the least cohesive part of the cast. I, I you know, uh, those points that you you pointed out, I don't think they're flaws. I just think, and, and a lot of people are criticizing the same things. I just think it's the way the characters are supposed to be you know exactly yeah. Chris Pratt is supposed to be um, uh, I think a Navy SEAL I guess I don't know if he was a SEAL but I, he says Navy man uh, I think so he's supposed to know how to assess situations and, and know what to do and if he's in the military sure he knows how to maybe how to ride a motorcycle or how to use a gun or how to do this and that and uh, Bryce Dallas Howard I thought yeah, her character is supposed to be cold, and but at the same time strong because she's running a company. You know, she, yeah. she's not a, a weak character. So all the people that are criticizing the movie for being sexist or against women or anything, I, I think their 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 argument is a little little flawed because first enough she's strong enough to run around in in high heels the entire movie, which is crazy awesome i don't know how she did that and but like, i mean she, she's running a major theme park and a, and something that's beyond anything uh she's she's basically the head of the the show at, at jurassic world you know aside from the uh, owner so i don't really see too much in the way of flaws in that viewpoint but yeah she's definitely cold because she doesn't even uh interact really with her 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 nephews she doesn't really know their yeah. their their not their names their uh, their ages and where they are in the park. So she's definitely a flawed character in itself. Yeah, and and maybe that's where I'm not really necessarily feeling that same mesh because you know the other movies really everyone was so cohesive and it just seemed like such a wholesome cast. This one just seemed a bit um, underwhelming. I mean, I think the kids did awesome though. The kids were great. Yeah. Um, yeah. The older brother there kind of bothered me a little bit. Uh, you know, toward the beginning of the movie, but grew on me throughout. And and yeah. I think the the um, the youngest there did awesome. I yeah. think he was great. Um, you know, they, yeah. they actually had some really great funny parts too, which was uh, <laughs> awesome yeah. to include. I, a lot of it caught me off guard. Yeah, I think the uh, the main point of the older brother is to 
make you, first off, make you like the younger one, make you feel bad for him, that he's not getting the attention he deserves. And secondly, it's to show you that there is a need for the Indominus Rex. You know, that kids are not paying any attention to dinosaurs anymore. They could care less, mm-hmm. you know? So I think his role, while it is annoying, I think it's supposed to be. So I'm glad he was kind of a, a pain, you know, to begin with. And uh, yeah. one of the other characters that is similar in in annoyingness is uh, uh, Hoskins. Now, yeah. I know you didn't really like him that much, but uh, I kind of... not a fan I, of Hoskins. I, you know, I kind of can't stand his character, and I think you're not supposed to. He's pretty much despicable from the first moment you meet him. So maybe that's attributing to your your disgust for him, but he's supposed to be not nice, not not a good guy, and you can you can get that from the very instance where, uh, which one one of my f- uh, favorite parts uh, comically was, uh, what did he say? He says like, uh, "Well, you guys are still cashing your paychecks," and he just goes and he tries to hit him in the stomach to kind of taunt him and just play a joke, but <laughs> the other guys are not falling for it and he just kind of does it on his own and he looks like an idiot and it's just showing you that he is despicable he's one of those guys that you just don't want to meet at work yeah yeah i mean i think there were certain scenes where i was just kind of like can this guy just go away like i don't really know if this is uh needed right here like i understand his his goal but that that's i got that feel a couple times from him so i don't know if yeah, I think I mean, he, his character maybe wasn't enough set up. Yeah. Between him and kinda... uh, Wu, you don't really know their uh, their goal or their you know where they're coming. The from. connection between them. Yeah, yeah, the connection between them, who they're talking to on the outside, because there's obviously a third party, and I'm not sure we know who it is. Um, but yeah, there's definitely something more to him and Wu. That's something I think we're gonna learn more about in the future you know one other thing that that uh that i was kind of disappointed in in, in, in not seeing was um the bar from salt can oh, i was really i know i was really hoping to see the barbasol can barbasol like i don't know if they knew what they were getting into when they initially signed off to have that can in the first movie but it's basically been every fan's dream to see that that can, that original can, just uncovered from the mud and see what it's been doing. I don't, there's no reason to see what it's been doing, but I just kind of wanted to see it revealed. I don't know about you, but... I mean, that, that's the can that started it all. You it know, really like, that is... is that's that's what started it all, and, and it's kind of like the, uh, you know, the one thing you, you, that, that kind of got away from the first movie that's still kind of lost you yeah, know. they uh, set it up so I mean, I, well. Like, let's just put it right here. Let's make it fall right here and put it all, put all the mud over it, and then just never see it again. I guess you know. But I really, really thought there would be something because of all the uh, promotion they've had recently with the um, the new cans. The yeah, I saw those cans. Those things are amazing. I don't know if you have yeah. any or not, but. Uh, I don't have any, but I've been looking for them. I don't know if they're just flying off the shelves or what, but they 
look awesome. I think they kind of are. I've searched a few times. I did get uh, a one of them, but uh, I, I definitely need more. I, def- I just want to actually get a few of them so I can like maybe use one or two and then save two. I think there's only two collectible ones. So I'd like to save them, put them off to the side, and you know, admire them on my shelf. Because <laughs> I like to collect <laughs> pretty much anything I can from Jurassic Park. Yeah, they, they, they look pretty awesome. I gotta try to try to get my hands on a few. Actually, I might be able to help. I was talking with them on Twitter the other day, so hopefully uh, we're, we're looking. I don't want to get get anybody's hopes up yet, but we're looking to try to maybe give some away. So I was talking with them a little while back, and uh, they said they needed to give it some time. So maybe I'll get back in touch with them after this. Now that you sparked the interest again, so that's that would be awesome. I'm sure everyone would love that. Oh yeah, I think uh, we've got plenty of listeners now that would be like, uh, you know, trying to win whatever contest we put out for those cans. So let's uh, let's give it our best effort to try and get those things out here. Awesome. One other thing I wanted to bring up, since you'd mentioned the cans, um, uh, bringing it back to the the old visitor center. When I pretty much found out that the visitor center would be in this movie, so many thoughts went through my head. I was thinking about every uh, every place in the visitor center, every scene that we saw from the first movie, um. And I don't know, I, I was thrilled to see it again, but maybe a little underwhelmed by the usage of it. And we got we got a decent amount of time at it. We have uh, the two characters walking into the front door, which was pretty much unrecognizable. If you didn't remember the yeah. design that was on those doors, you may not have even realized it was the old visitor center. So Yeah, they, they kind of look like, uh, like, like basement doors. Uh, <laughs> yeah from the outside it, it was just so covered in in vines and, and leaves and trees or whatever that you, it was basically unrecognizable and once i got inside it was also covered in so much stuff that it was it was so impossible to recognize um there was a few touches here and there like the uh the velociraptor on the glass um you could see the the um the, sign the banner fell at the uh, at the end of the first movie which was another yep. heartbreaking moment when the the kid just picked it up and lit it on fire. I was basically screaming, "No! How could you do that? <laughs> that is so iconic. How could you yeah. burn that sign?" But well, it you happened. Know, later on, later on, there were still some uh, yeah. some sign left over there. So I, I wasn't too upset, but it, I did have that same reaction. Yeah, like, it was, oh, was kind of heartbreaking there for a moment. So. Uh, yeah, but it pick was, up anything else. Yeah, it was though awesome again to see the uh, the jeeps. And it was the specific jeeps that we saw from the first movie. So that was amazing. And I pretty much think it's probably impossible for those jeeps to actually run again after twenty something years just sitting idle, not moving. It just needs a new battery. It just needed that's, a new battery. It. But where did a new battery <laughs> come from? First off. The, it would have been the, a twenty-something-year-old uh, battery. I don't know. No, the, don't... Uh, it came from that jeep that that guy was dead in outside. Oh, did it? You know what? I guess I completely missed that. I thought they just picked up a twenty-something-year-old battery and they're like, "This one works." 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, no, that didn't. I guess that didn't happen. So uh, thank you for enlightening. But the night vision. The, the yeah. night vision goggles? The, the goggles, those were good to see. I guess I'm assuming that room is the uh, armory that, that we got a glimpse of in the first movie when they were loading up on shotguns. I'm assuming that's the same room. Um, mm. yeah. There was the flashlights that they, they took off, those giant yellow flashlights, and uh, yeah. and the, the shotguns. So I'm assuming that was the same room. I really would have loved to, to have seen... Um, the the theater room with the old Mr. DNA area would have loved to have seen that. Um, there was something else, but uh, I can't specifically remember. But yeah, I, I was kind of underwhelmed the with the amount. Oh, the kitchen! Yeah, that was it. I, I I know it wouldn't have happened, but I would have loved to have seen them walk through the kitchen, look into the the freezer, and see wrap their bones in there because it probably would have decomposed I don't think it would still be working freezer or just picking up like a you know one of those spoons that fell you know like like one of those silver spoons that would have been great too just something in the kitchen would have been the laptor laptor the raptor was licking yeah yeah. I, I would have loved for them to just open that that freezer and just see the bones sitting in there or you know something like that so I feel like while it was great, I'm so happy they went there. And I'm happy. Trust me, I'm happy with it. I'm perfectly fine and content with it. I just wish maybe they touched on a few more things. Just, I don't know, maybe it's yeah. just fan service. Maybe it's kind of uh, not good for a brand new movie with a ton of new fans. But And that's what I was going to get at. You know, it's easy for us to say, you know, growing up with the first movies, um, you know, and and they they really did give us quite a bit of of things to to really kind of reminisce. Yeah. You know, if if they literally just showed the first movie again, I would have been happy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, I'm glad they they did kind of deviate from it, and they gave us a, a taste of of a lot of different things that we were used to, and and I think they did do a good job, and and it's easy for us to kind of like you know. You know, reminisce on, on certain aspects that really kind of touched us, especially like, you know, with the visitor center and like all these different areas that we're familiar with. But, um, you know, I, I think they did do quite a bit to, to cater to the fans, you know, of, of some of the earlier stuff. Yeah. I, uh, I just, before we, I feel like we've beaten this movie to death pretty much. Um, but I feel like one character's not getting enough credit credit uh that's uh jake johnson's character of uh lowry uh i thought his character was so funny yeah he was great he, he was the the one-liners he had were just so on on the spot they were just they seemed like maybe he ad-libbed a lot of it but he brought <laughs> he brought a little bit of um comedical moments to moments that were filled with a lot of tension so I thought he did a great job. Um, hopefully, gets a little bit more credit because I feel like a lot of people are dwelling on uh, the uh, supposed sexism and uh, between you know Chris Pratt and and Bryce Dallas Howard. So they're not really giving him enough credit. But I thought he did an awesome job. Yeah, no, I thought he was great. You know, the funny thing about him is, is he's almost like the anti Nedry. You know, like he 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 was almost the the comic relief, but. 
but this time he, he's really uh he's a good guy <laughs> yeah he's a he's a good guy yeah he's yeah. not there i love his uh, his uh love for the original park and you know he's like yeah and even he died but you know i got it on ebay so it's a great shirt that i'm wearing uh <laughs> i'm not gonna wear it again it was just today um but uh i thought i thought he was hilarious throughout well, the, the only day even though even though so much was going wrong he just he brought awesome comical re- relief to the entire thing so uh yeah we've definitely beat the movie to death so why don't we uh head out i was i was gonna touch on ah, i was oh. gonna touch on one other thing before heading out let's touch on one more thing the one other thing that i i actually noticed in this movie was the product placement Oh yeah, I thought it was rampant in this movie. <laughs> what did yeah. you think about that? It was pretty um, out of control at times, and I, I specifically, um, uh, when they they released those those quick uh, commercials for Mercedes, I was I actually uh, tweeted at Colin Trevorrow and said. Um, should I be afraid that Jurassic World is a commercial for Mercedes? And he responded, he just said a quick, no, <laughs> that's all. <laughs> so, I mean, that's a good response. It was a good response, but I still feel like, I mean, yes, it, it was less of a, a commercial than I expected for Mercedes, but, um, there was definitely a few scenes where they like cradle around the cars and you just see the emblem. And also... Chris Pratt is just sitting there fixing his motorcycle, just lifts up Coke and just drinks it. Yeah. And and the beginning, which this is a scene that I know you mentioned it for another scene earlier, but a scene that could take me out of the movie upon repeated viewing is uh, Claire, when she first is talking about the Indominus Rex, she says, uh, I believe Verizon Wireless presents the Indominus Rex. Yeah, that made and I me was, sick. That took me out so bad. And I, I just... I, I, the only thing that it regained itself was when Lowry made a joke about it. And he said, why don't we just call it a, a Pepsisaurus or a Tostitodon or something like that. So I, I, I thought it was... <laughs> I thought that, that righted the wrong. It just did. Because... At least for the Verizon it was almost wireless thing, fun at corporations and yeah. what they do as you know in, in you know these types of situations where they almost completely sell out. Like I know what they were going for, yeah, but it was almost so rampant that it, it just made me like. Well, that, yeah, that's the problem. Is because even the Verizon Wireless presents Indominus Rex. It was obviously she was less enthused to be saying that, and he hated it obviously, but. It was, it was flat out a product placement. Like, they're trying to um, make fun of product placement, but they're also doing it square in your face, just right there, right out in the open. So even you know making fun of it, saying Pepsi Saurus, that's product placement right there. So yeah, I don't, you know, I think that's definitely and- one of the things that maybe I have to get up get over you know the the one other one that that really stood out to me um and and this is 
you know, something that didn't really bother me at the time of, but looking back on it, I kind of think it's a bit cheesy, um, is the Jimmy Fallon uh, cameo. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, at the time, it's like, oh, okay, you know, you know, this is Richard Garley, you know, like, yeah. I, I get it, you know, the announcer, you're going to have someone, you know. Richard Garley was only in a, his voice was only in a few sequences. I mean, so you didn't really get a, the full effect, but Jimmy Fallon is right out in the open, right there, yeah, pulling jokes, and it's it's fine. I think I'm okay with it. I think, um, but it definitely didn't need to be there. I don't think. No, there was really not there was no reason for it, and I don't know. Is that a product placement? Do you think it's a a flat out advertisement for the? Uh, Tonight Show? For the Tonight Show? I don't know. I absolutely I don't feel like, do think so. I don't know. I don't feel like it is, but what else could it be? You know, if, yeah. if we don't need it in the movie, why is it there? And what's its reason for being there? Yeah, and, and the only other one that stood out was uh, was the Jimmy Buffett Margaritaville <laughs> on Isla Nublar. Yeah. Um, uh, you know... <sighs> I'm okay and, with and that. there was a very distinct scene. He's running around, running around with his margaritas. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, yeah. I don't know. That 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 also kind of tugged. You know, kind of gave me a, a. I'm okay with that one. A bad taste. Honestly, I don't even remember seeing Margaritaville in the movie. I knew it was there ahead of time, but as I was watching the movie, I don't remember seeing it. So. Maybe maybe if I watch it again and again and again, I'll, I'll I'll point it out more more often. But it didn't bother me the first time around, and I'm I'm actually okay with a Margaritaville sign there because of all the theme parks I've gone to. There's constantly restaurant signs right in your face, so I'm okay yeah. with it. I'm okay with it. You know, that, that one's a little less in your face, I guess. But the the ones that really kind of stood out to me were the Verizon Wireless Presents. And the uh, the Jimmy Fallon cameo that that was looking back on it made me a little uh, you know how am I going to perceive this every time I watch it now? <laughs> you know, I think uh, we'll see. I think you'll just laugh at it. You know, I think that's all it'll come down to is just a funny little scene because it, it's poking fun at the original in a way. You know, with the they're like, don't get too close to the Dilophosaurus, and then that thing explodes and it gets all over him. He's like, because it causes blindness and paralysis, and oh my god, and he passes yeah. out or something. So it's it's funny. I mean, it's kind of a funny sequence. So at least it has that much going for it. Yeah. So that, that's pretty much my last piece. Yeah, I mean, we just kind of ragged on the movie for the past ten minutes. So let's pick it back up and just say, I love the movie. You liked the movie? It was fantastic. It, it was great. I, 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 I honestly don't think it could have gone much better. I mean, th- there were certain pieces I w- may have uh, included, excluded, changed a bit, but overall, fantastic. Awesome. Exceeded all my expectations. Yeah, I agree. Well, thanks for joining me here as we uh, review Jurassic World. Uh, let's close the doors to the Visitor Center. See ya. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the fourth episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. 
I want to give an extra thanks to Tim Lewinson for joining us to discuss Savage Empire. I also want to thank Dan Karan for joining me to discuss Jurassic World. If you want to chat with us, you can find us on Twitter, at Jurassic Park Pod. You can also email us at gmail, jurassicparkpod at gmail.com. Hopefully, you take another weekend to enjoy Jurassic World. If you've been listening to the podcast since day one, or just started today, please do us a favor and head to iTunes and give us a review. We hope you review us kindly, but we won't blame you if you don't. Thanks, and enjoy. Five minutes. Drop what you're doing and leave now.